Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. With Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk of 24-7 Sports. Powered by Taylor Construction Equipment. Whether you're looking to rent, lease, buy, or for service, contact Taylor Construction Equipment today at taylorconstructionequipment.com or call 662-446-1048. Now get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with the trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. It would be a little weird, Robbie, if Brupolo was in Willoughby. Well, that would be a little weird. Wouldn't be expecting it to be there. But Willow Brew, I think we can make it work. That's right. Or Brewlaby. I, I don't know. I'm um I'm super pumped to see Strange Brew. We talked about it yesterday. I think Strange Brew is now a Bulldog Initiative yes, they are. supporter. If there was any other reason for you to go support Strange Brew, I mean, that you have them all yeah. at this point. They're a supporter of Thunder and Lightning, have been for a long, long time. Big Mississippi State University supporter, obviously. Mm-hmm. They support the students of Mississippi State. You have the the brew at Ford every single year. You and yes. I participated in that we sure have. for the for this college students and now Bulldog Initiative. I mean, there is no reason you shouldn't be getting your coffee from Strange Brew. On top of all that, it's the best coffee in town, as voted on by the true. So, like, I don't I don't know what you're waiting on. Make sure this morning you start your day the right way. Head to Strange Brew Coffee House here in Starkville and enjoy a cup of coffee that supports the Bulldog Initiative. College Corner, collegecornerstore.com is the place to find the maroon and white merchandise that you are looking for. They have the biggest and best selection of it in all of central Mississippi. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Southern Miss. I'm sure they'll be getting some LSU National Championship gear soon. I'm sure that'll be on the shelves. Everybody's happy about that, aren't they? Anyway, but whatever you're looking for for Mississippi State, they've got it at College Corner. Two locations in the Jackson area to serve you. They're original by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. Or you can shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Restaurant Tyler, Starkville's flagship restaurant. That's the place to go for lunch when you're in Starkville. They have the best blue plate in town, no question about it. Southern cooking at its finest for lunch every day at Restaurant Tyler. And then when it gets dinner time, they gussy it up a little bit. I love saying gussy it up. I, that's one of my favorite Southern uh, sayings. Is, you, know, you got all gussied up there. I'm, they I'm, gussy it up a little bit. Well, I, I didn't go full Savannah there, but, you know. Well, she done gussied herself up. That's a beautiful woman right there, which is all, <laughs> which is all made up like that. Uh, <laughs> anywho, head over to Restaurant Tyler. Enjoy a great lunch every time you're in Starkville at Starkville's flagship restaurant. 16 Priority One Bank locations throughout central Mississippi ready to serve you. Go to PriorityOneBank.com, find the location nearest you, open an account. That's going to serve your family for a long, long time, as long as it's open, because the banking locally is such a big deal. Guys, there's going to come a time in your life when you got to make a decision. Do you need to get a loan 
Do you want to talk to a corporate bank and people you've never spoken with, or do you want to talk to people in your community that you know and that you do business with all the time? I think that's an easy answer, and that means that it's an easy solution to do business with Priority One Bank. Again, PriorityOneBank.com is the website. Let Priority One Bank make you their priority. we got a good show today. This is my favorite kind of show. I'm sure it's Robbie's, too, because he didn't have to do a lot of work today. we got two great interviews today, and we're going we're gonna to play them both. We'll start off with our good friend, Josh Pate. Let me tell you something, Robbie. It was like I was like Captain Ahab trying to get Moby Dick. All right. I've, I've been trying for a month and a half to get Josh Pate on this program. Yeah, it's he's, he's a busy man. man. He's a busy well, man. You know why he's a busy man? Because he's the best. He's the best. Yeah, I he, mean, there the the thing about Josh that makes him so good is he doesn't speak in this shock jock right type right. tone. He doesn't he's not trying to get um you know clicks by not going playing out. a character. He gets clicks yeah, by he, telling the truth. That's a, yeah, he, a hell of a concept. He's a well measured, uh well read college football voice and probably I mean, to me, he is top three in college football right now as far as a college football voice, a guy that does his research, a guy that knows what he, exactly what he's talking about. I don't want to. I don't want to hear these, uh, you know, these hot takes. That I want to hear somebody that's got something to say, that's measured, that is researched, and that comes from a good place. And I think that's that's basically what he does. And I, I've listened to the interview; it's excellent. I, I think he did a great job. And I think he was. I think he has done his research on Mississippi State probably as well as anybody in college football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree. And and on top of that, well, you know. The fact that you can go with any college football topic with him, which I did. I want to bounce around the country for a little bit before we go into the MSU stuff. I want to hit on what he talked about with Arnett when we come back from this interview. So let's go ahead and go do that. Josh Pate, host of Late Kick with Josh Pate. That's a college football podcast you need to be listening to. CBS Sports 24-7. Here's what he had to say about some college football topics and about Mississippi State. I have been trying to get this guy on for quite some time because, in my opinion, this guy is the leading voice in college football media right now. Josh Pate, 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports, Late Kick with Josh Pate, the best college football podcast out there for my money. I got a really tough question for you to start. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to go right into the deep end here. Which is worse, Brandon Walker's college football takes or Brandon Walker's pop culture takes? The third option is just Brandon Walker period end of sentence which is all encompassing <laughs> his 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 pop culture takes are rough it is like a a pothole filled yet to be paved road but the college football stuff that's the area where you know reasonable minds can disagree i think some of his pop culture stuff he's just flat out wrong on it goes yeah. beyond the realm of opinion there's just right and wrong and he's just flat out wrong on a lot of stuff but that's okay that makes those of us who are right look all the more better this is a man who did not see Roadhouse until 2018, I think. So, I mean, <laughs> just I can't take him seriously on a lot of stuff. I want to talk about, let's start off with the two teams that will be in the SEC next year. But I want to talk about this year. What would Texas and Oklahoma be in the SEC this year? It would actually be a really good year for Texas to be here. Anyone who has experience at quarterback and who has potentially high-level uh, play at quarterback it's a good year for you down here. You you look at the odds market and Georgia's at the top and they're starting a new guy and Alabama's always going to be up there. And those, those programs are going to be there just because of overall depth of roster anyway. Uh, but you can go in the SEC with those two 
and not knowing really what they're going to be at quarterback. You can go beyond the SEC with Ohio State and fill in the blank there. But as for this conference, I actually, you know what, I think people would be surprised if they were plugged in this year to see how high atop that odds board Texas would be. They wouldn't be the favorite to win the conference. I'm telling you right now, they wouldn't be past number three, and I think that would shock some people. And then you'd get the whole, well, we do this every year with Texas talking point, which is true. Some people do do this every year with Texas. I'm not necessarily one of them. So, you know, in my own personal little space here, I think the fact that I believe in them a little bit is noteworthy just for my own personal record keeping. Oklahoma, I'm not so sure anyone has a good read on them. There were a lot of close losses last year, so that means what it means. Uh, but also, I mean, we had a question on Lake Kick the other night. What would happen if Texas just drags Oklahoma again? That 49 nothing beating they gave them last year, I think, was the most lopsided OU loss in the history of the series. Mm-hmm. If they had anything remotely comparable to that, imagine being a Sooner fan and the the way that you're entering the SEC is with big question marks head coach. Wouldn't be a good feeling. That, that, that's a, a statement that I've made a couple times on Sports Talk, and that's I don't know that if they have another bad year in Oklahoma that Brent Venables ever sees the inside of an SEC media days. Would they Would they move that quick coming into the SEC? I don't see how they can come in at 7-5 and five and say, we, we don't make a change. It would be very unlike Oklahoma. I mean, that place has been just the stability beacon at head coach for a long time. But then again, that's because they've had good production at head coach. Uh, you say seven and five there. It'd be really interesting because that would be, what, like a one-game improvement over last yeah. year. But I, I just wonder, even in that scenario, are we looking at a bunch of Is it one of those things where you had five losses by 18 combined points or something like that, just some crazy year? I know wins are wins and losses are losses at the end of the day, uh, but there's a big difference in that and and just getting drugged. Like Michigan State last year had losses that were all by double digits pretty much. They were never even close in games. And so as you're trying to judge a coach moving forward, that's always got to be taken into consideration. The other thing that you have to take into consideration is both of his cycles, Venables, that he's been there for, They've been top 10 recruiting and top 10 in the portal. So the talent acquisition side of it, which is normally the sharpest learning curve for a new head coach and a new staff, that part's getting taken care of. They just now have to implement it on the field. You kind of made the joke there about Texas being back. What about Florida State? Are they back? Are are they finally about to take their spot back as the top team in the ACC? I certainly think they are rightfully in the conversation. I don't think this is some hype bubble. Uh, But then again, you know, I think uh, our bud Elliot puts out the blue chip ratio every year, yeah. and it's really fascinating because it just it's not rocket science, but it it's pretty commonsensical in its approach. And it says pretty bluntly, history shows that no team that has been under 50 percent in that BCR, that blue chip ratio, has ever won a national title. And all that blue chip ratio is, is just measuring what percentage of your roster is four star and five star recruits. It's not the end-all, be-all, but for broad strokes purposes, that's the best raw talent rating we have in college football. Well, Florida State, even with all the transfer additions, is only at like 41%. So not only are they below 50, they're not even close to 50 yet. And yet there they are, right there, neck and neck with Clemson as the odds-on favorites to win the ACC. They're way up there in the playoff ratings. Uh, If they beat LSU in Week 1, That Clemson game in week four is one of the premier matchups in college football. It's going to be anyway. But think about the playoff ramifications. 
if they get two of those top 10 caliber wins out of the way before Halloween, uh, then there's not much standing in their way. They'd probably have some breathing room. They could probably afford a loss. In the ACC, they're just taking the top two teams now. There's no more divisions. So, yeah, I, I think they're rightfully there. But also, it's as we've seen with Michigan, it's one thing to get there. It's another thing to actually win the whole thing. But for Florida State, just getting there would be a big deal right now considering where that program's been. Let's talk a little Big Ten before we go to Mississippi State. Ohio State-Michigan, obviously we know those are the top two. Is there a third horse in that race? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Penn State is to be taken seriously this year. I know um, – you know, I know people have said that before. It's kind of like the Texas yeah. of the Big Ten. People have said that before. I'm telling you, I went up there. I spent three or four days up there last month inside the program. Uh, got to talk to a lot of folks, met with the whole staff. And I, I'm telling you, that is that is a really, really good staff. He got, he being Jim uh, James Franklin, got really fortunate that Manny Diaz was available when he was available. Because that is a head coach, is your defensive coordinator. Yeah. And they have got not many glaring holes on that team. They probably have the best quarterback in terms of talent they've had there. Uh, they got a one-two punch, really a one-two-three punch, a tailback that is wonderful. I think it may be the best defense in the Big Ten. And they get Michigan at home. They go to Ohio State. They get Michigan at home. I, I think because of because of the uncertainty of quarterback at Ohio State, yes, absolutely, that's a three-team race up there. You talked about Mississippi State a few weeks ago on late kick, and I think the term you used was create havoc. Mississippi State could be a team that create havoc in the SEC this year. What do you really think about the Bulldogs' ceiling this year? I mean, they won nine games a year ago, and I, I think that if Mike Leach was still with us, people would be talking about this team as a potential you know, dark horse in the SEC. But with the new coach, people are, are, are right, they rightfully have questions. What do you like about this Mississippi State team, and, and how good can they be? Well, so I'll give you my answer, but I'll ask you a question on the back end. So I think you're absolutely right in that assessment of if we had Mike Leach with us, this team would be taken a lot more seriously. Look, if we're being honest with ourselves nationally, the first deep dive that most people at the national level are going to do on Mississippi State is still in the future. They haven't done it yet. They're probably planning on doing it, you know, the week before camps open or maybe the week before media day, they'll start just thumbing through the preview magazines. So all they really know is that defensive coordinator guy, that Arnett guy, that guy is the head coach there. And that probably means there'll be some radical shift. No one really knows nationally. So anyone saying otherwise is probably lying to you. I think their ceiling is right at what they did last year. Um, there would be a lot of disagreement nationally with that. But that's also because even though Will Rogers feels like he's been there for a long time, still has some years to play if he wants to, I, that's the most underappreciated asset in a quarterback-starved um, college football scene this year. You've got a proven commodity there at Mississippi State, and it's I don't know if it seems like this to you. It seems to me like people just kind of glance over it because it's Mississippi State, which brings me to my question. Like internally down there, what's the feeling on the ceiling? So to answer your question, it's kind of two parts. With Rodgers, and I've, I've done a couple podcasts about this now because I've done these interviews with you, Cole Kublick. Uh, I've talked to Jacob Hester. I've talked to Aaron Murray. I've talked to all these people. And Rodgers gets a lot more respect from you guys than he gets from his own fans. And it's really interesting to see that because most people would tell you the fans would be like, oh, he's the greatest, and the national guys would be like, ah, he's okay. It's the other way around. Everybody loves Will Rogers on the na in the national media, and their fans are like, well, can he do this? And and can you do that? I think the ceiling, you're, 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 in, you're in my ballpark right there. This could be an 8-9 win team if everything goes right as long as Rodgers stays healthy. 
But if he doesn't, then they're they're going to really, really struggle with Mike Wright and the freshman Chris Parson. I, I don't think either one of those guys are, are ready for prime time. But, the, I mean, they have eight home games. I know that they'd have to go on the road for the toss-up games, but Rodgers has won games on the road with A&M. He's won at Auburn. He's won at Ole Miss. I think he could win a game at South Carolina this year. So, so we'll just see. With Arnett, how much can we really learn about him in year one? I mean, if they go nine and three, or, or are you looking at State and thinking, man, they may have found a, a hidden gem there? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I was thinking back to what you just said there, though. I mean, to answer your second question, yes. I mean, with Arnett, they rattle off eight or nine this year. Uh, yeah, that's exa- that's exactly the the kind of tenor that would be struck around his name. But with Rodgers, what's important with what you said is this is a conference where a lot of the externals chew you up. Yeah, you got to go against defenses, and and yeah, you got high quality future first round edge rushers like Dallas Turner, for example. But it's the externals. It's it's the pressure. It's going on the road. Uh, it's dealing with all the stuff that surrounds you as an SEC quarterback. That's not as big a factor for him because he's been through it all. And that is something that gets so overlooked. But when you get into a 31 to 28 game, that kind of stuff matters. That kind of stuff swings a football game from W to L or L to W. Um, So I just what I'm fascinated by, and I'm sure everyone else down there feels the same way, is I'm fascinated at how a defensive minded coach handles the offensive side of his football team. I was listening to Kirby Smart actually earlier today talk about how when he first took over at Georgia, that was what he struggled with the most of kind of walking into unfamiliar territory and being a head coach and knowing he was a defensive guy. He had no doubts about the defensive side, but trying to feel out, okay, how hands-on am I supposed to be with offense? And then how much of it do I delegate? How much do I have to trust? Do I have the right people in the building I can trust? All that'll come into play this year. I'll tell you that I interviewed Arnett and asked him basically that question, you know, like how much do you plan to work? And he said, well, seeing as how I've never coached it a minute in my life, I think it'd be pretty stupid of me to jump over there. So I think he's going to be pretty hands-off, sort of the same way Leach was with the defense. So we'll see how that all pans out. Josh Pate, really appreciate your time, man. I know it's been a, we've been struggling trying to get you on here. I really appreciate it. Have a great day, and uh, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it, Brian. All right, thanks to Josh for his time. Really appreciate that. So this is what I want to ask you about. You know, first year of Zach Arnett, we talked a little bit about this yesterday in the rumblings where I made the comment about Purcell, and I was like, had a little bit of a free roll in, 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 in first year, right? Nobody had high, super high expectations, and he really exceeded those expectations, and, and it gave Mississippi State fans the idea and the belief that, okay, they've landed a great coach who's going to build this program back to where it was under Vic Schaefer. So then you look at Arnett, kind of the same thing, right? First year, you know, the tragedy of Mike Leach, a lot of changes. He, he would be forgiven if if a state underachieved this year. If state somehow, you know, they, I mean, they, they, they play four road games against teams. They could technically lose every one of those games. They play Alabama and LSU. They could technically lose all of those games. I don't think they will, but they could. But at, at the same time, if he overachieves or if he just achieves, if he goes eight and four and wins the bowl game and they're nine and four again, people are going to say, okay, State's got a, real, a really good coach, especially when you combine it with what he's doing from recruiting. So that's my question to you in, in, in this instance. How much can we really learn about Zach Arnett in year one as a head coach? I think you can learn a little bit. I mean, if he comes out and is six and six, I don't think it's, it's time to panic or anything like that. I mean, I would be worried if he has a losing record. 
Um, but it's it's all about you know what what are you seeing from the team on the field this year? I I, I think the results are important. If he comes out and wins nine games, I think you meant I think you had mentioned and he did too. You know the ceiling of this team, eight or nine wins. I think a lot of people would be super excited about the future of Mississippi State football under Zach Arnett if he's a nine-win guy. If he comes out and he wins seven games, I think everybody's probably they, – they want a little bit more, but I think they would take that considering the the change in offense, the change in head coach, first-year head coach, seven wins in the SEC in year one, that wouldn't be terrible. This isn't – this is a good team returning, but it's not the 2018 Mississippi State team. This isn't the number one defense in the country with some veteran pieces on offense. Uh, you know, it's a good team, but it's not one that I can say it's ready made for somebody to come in here and win nine, ten games. Right. So, uh, you know, nine wins to me is an is an exceptional year for Zach Garnett, and I think if he's if he's able to do that, then you've got you've got a star in the making. Because he's recruiting at a high level, he's shown that without having coached. Uh, a, well, he has coached one game, but having coached a season, um, you've seen that he can recruit already. It's kind of the Sam Purcell deal, you know. Like the recruiting is showing up. How is he going to do as a head coach? So you know, a nine-win season, and I think everybody's thrilled. I think you can learn a lot from that this year. But I think the most thing, mo- the most. Um, things you want to see in year one from Zach Arnett is is the team playing controlled football. Are they disciplined? Are they um, are they able to to handle tough environments on the road? Things like that. And is are they getting better each and every week? And if you're seeing that, then the results usually take care of itself. I think with me, what what I'm looking for from Arnett this year is you know. First, head, first time head coaches, they make mistakes, right? It's just, it's just natural, you know. You haven't ever been the big, the, the top dog before, you know. There's going to come a time where you, you, you blow it, you know, on a timeout or, or, or things like that. How few of those mistakes is he making? That's, that's something I'm looking for. And then, uh, you know, I'm in, obviously with Barbe, you know, like it or not, Arnett's going to be tied to the decision to get away from the air raid. Now, I thought it was the right decision. And I think that Mississippi State has a chance to be much more explosive offensively with the kind of offense they're going to run this season. But at the same time, if they're not, and they take a step back, people are going to question that. People are going to say, well, they probably should have stuck with the air raid. That's what Will Rogers was comfortable with. Maybe they could have made a change the following season, something like that. That, that those, those criticisms are going to be there. But if State comes out and is really good offensively, everybody's going to say, well, Arnett obviously knew what he was doing. So that's something else that you can take away. By the way, just a just a quick aside here. Read an, an article today from the Athletic by Bruce Feldman, where he talked to defensive coordinators who had coached under the under air raid coaches and and their thoughts on you know why there's such a stigma of poor defense connected with the air raid and things like that. Didn't talk to Arnett, the guy who coached under the man who invented this offense. Basically, I was really surprised and kind of disappointed not to see Arnett. I mean, I know he's and, and the, the, the thing is. You could ask Arnett, so then why did you get away? If he, if he talked positively about it, why did you get away from it? And I, I thought that was a really missed opportunity by Feldman there. Well, not to mention he just took over for Mike Leach as a head coach. Yeah. Yeah, that was a miss. I don't I, I don't know what, what all went into that, but yeah, that's that makes no sense. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand the other thought process there. So I, I think you and I are in agreement that 
obviously you can't completely grade Zach Arnett, but you can walk away this year, especially if things go positively, and you can say, okay, State made the right decision. State State has got a, a head coach in place who's going to continue to build that program up. Whereas if you know if if it's a disappointing disappointing season, and for me, seven and five would be a little disappointing when you consider how many seniors this team has. Even then, you can say, well, first year head coach, he continue if he, if he continues to recruit the way he is, they're going they're going to be just fine. I don't I don't see a disaster season coming. If that happens, I'll I'll reevaluate. But I, I think I think Josh is on to something there with with what, the way he talks about the what you can learn about Arnett uh, after this first season. So let's move on into the rest of the show. We're going to do our opponent preview. That's brought to you by our good friends over at. Mississippi Beef Council, who want to remind you that beef, it's what's for dinner. Guys, it is summer. It is the 4th of July week coming up. It's time to start grilling if you haven't already. I know it's hot outside, but, you know, a lot of you guys have those pellet grills anyway. You're just sitting and forgetting it. You go sit inside. It tells you when the meat's done. But if you're but if you're a guy like me that's got to work the fire, well, then just go inside. It's fine. It's fine. I'm looking forward to those pulled beef sandwiches I'm going to be making on the 4th of July. I hope that you guys are cooking beef for the 4th as well. Steaks. Bert, they had some uh, bone-in ribeyes today at Kroger, and I was just like, maybe I should, maybe I should reconsider. Maybe I should. Maybe, maybe you should go over to Clarkson General Store and get that tomahawk ribeye. <laughs> if they sold those things for lunch the other day, I'm, <laughs> I might have had to drag myself out of there. Still but thinking was, about that. That's be- it's a beautiful thing. It's always a beautiful thing when you have a well-cooked steak, not a well-done steak, a well-cooked steak. Enjoy them this weekend and every weekend. Beef, it's what's for dinner, thanks to our friends, the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find smoked southern soul food. Guys, if you haven't already, I mean, I I don't know what to tell you at this point. If you haven't been Two Brothers on Robbie and I's recommendation, I'm not not sure. If if you're a vegan, I get it. But, I mean, I'm pretty sure they got some vegan options there. They, they, they They can work something out for but if you're just if you're just holding out for whatever reason, it's time to go. The next time you're in Starville, make a trip over to Two Brothers to enjoy some great smoked Southern Soul food, and don't forget again a Bulldog Initiative business. Great products and great services. What every business likes to promise you, they deliver it to you at Advantage Business Systems, and they have for forty eight years, going on forty nine. That is a long time. Businesses don't stay open that long unless their customers know what kind of service they're going to get. And that's what you have at Advantage Business Systems every time. It's not a situation where if you have a problem with a product you bought from them, you're going to be put on hold for 45 minutes and talk to somebody across the way. When I say across the way, I mean the Atlantic Ocean. I'm talking about Mississippi people taking care of you. A lot of times it's going to be the exact same day that you have the problem. That's the difference. And you want to be take advantage of that? Call Advantage Business Systems, 601 362 9192 or visit them online, absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. The Rogue and the Collegiate Collection at the Rogue. Guys, I can't stress it enough how great those shirts are, those pullovers are. They've got the logos that you want. They've got great styles, great name brands, and again, great service. The Rogue is a business that's been around a long, long time, and that's because of the service they give you. So if you're looking for a new polo this season, brand new season coming up, brand new era of Mississippi State football, start it off the right way. Don't come in there with a banner M taking up three quarters of your body, maybe part of your face. I don't know what Adidas is going to do next. They might have to put a temporary tattoo on you 
just to make sure that banner M is big enough. You don't want that. Go and get you a really great, stylish polo from The Rogue. Shop at The Rogue in Jackson or online at therogue.com. Don't live the three-stripe life. Shop at The Rogue. It's hot. It's hot outside. If you're born in the sun, it's hot. So, if you want to cool down, head over to Dolce. 509 University Drive. Grab you a gelato. Grab you a milkshake. And you're going to feel much better for it. Now, look, great breakfast, great lunch there at Dolce. They're open 7.30 a.m. Tuesday through Saturday. But those sweet treats, that's what this place was founded on. So, you want to give yourself a little reward in the afternoon. If, 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 you, know, if you had a good day at work, had a good day at school, and you're like, I, des- I deserve this. You do. You do deserve it. Go over to Dolce and treat yourself. 509 University Drive. We're to Kentucky on our uh, opponent preview. Something brought up in this interview we're about to listen to from John Hale. Uh, Lexington Herald leader. It's the end for Kentucky Mississippi State, a rivalry that has been played, uh, I think, nonstop since 1989, 1988, something like that was the last time these two teams were not on the schedule with each other. Has been a very competitive series over the last five, six years, and it has been dominated by the home team. That's Mississippi State this year. So let's go to that interview now, and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. This is John Hale from the Lexington Herald leader giving us a great preview of the Kentucky Wildcats. We continue our trek down Mississippi State schedule from back to front. We are at Kentucky, which means our good friend John Hale from the Lexington Herald-Leader will join us. We will still not talk about any Premier League soccer at this time. I will let you know when I am ready to resume those discussions with you. They are not today. It's not today, though. Let's talk about, about Kentucky. You know, Kentucky and Mississippi State, they're kind of mirror images of each other in, in a certain way in that they're consistent. You, so you kind of know what you're going to get with them year in, year out. They they tend to overachieve most years. But there's always like that feeling with with State, at least, and I'm going to ask you if it's that way with Kentucky, where they're just like one step away from being bad again, where you're going back to the bad old days. I always have that fear for Mississippi State. With Kentucky, have you just reached a point with Stoops that you just say, now nah, you can count on Kentucky. They're going to win six, seven, eight games this year. I, I think in the current environment of the sec that is true whether that stays true when texas and oklahoma joined the league i don't know i mean obviously it stayed at eight games for 2024 uh their 24 schedule uh is pretty favorable even though i mean we will see the end of this kentucky mississippi state annual rivalry but other than that it's basically the same schedule as they would have had in the sec east prior to the last expansion so that part of it seems okay for them. But if we get to a spot where the SEC is playing nine conference games when you don't have that SEC East, you know, a down East to fall back on, uh, when you don't have Mississippi State as your every year opponent from the other division, you know, you could have years uh, where it works out that you're playing, you know, Georgia, Alabama, um, you know, LSU, Texas A&M, teams like you, where you could play a, a very West heavy schedule. And that, situation i think kentucky would still have to prove that they could handle that and get to bowl eligibility i mean there's a reason that their administration is so vocally maybe the most vocal of the sec schools in favor of staying at eight games Um, so that is something to see moving forward obviously with nil and the transfer portal you're only one bad offseason away from having a completely different roster so i don't know that we can say for sure that any of these mid-tier programs are are that consistent but in the current format, given what they've done in the portal the last three or four years, you feel good about Kentucky at least staying at that level for now. 
it feels like you've been listening to things that I say about Mississippi State and an eight game schedule. It really is something. Yeah. Let's look at this team from a season ago. You know, again, and go back to 2021. Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator at Kentucky, that's a good offense. They averaged well over 400 yards a game. They were efficient. Will Levis, you know, people were starting to, that's where the draft buzz really started for him. Cohen goes to the NFL for a year, and that offense, it really fell apart. You know, Levis was a lot more inefficient a season ago. Uh, they just weren't as good. They weren't good up front last year. Cohen back now. Doing, it's the one-year leave in the NFL. Now he's back in Kentucky. Does it? Does that mean that it's the, the, the instant return of what he was able to do two years ago? I think you hope that there's at least something close to that. But I, I think even Cohen would tell you that had he been here last year, that offense was going to have some questions. I mean, uh, even more important than you know losing Wondell Robinson, who was there, who in his one year at Kentucky in 21, broke the school record for catches and receiving yards in a single season. They lost three offensive linemen from that team who were in NFL camps, including their center, Luke Fortner, who started every game for the Jaguars as a rookie. So they had a bunch to replace up front, and that was always going to be an issue. Now, I think if Liam Cohen had been here, he probably would have been better suited to scheme around that. Uh, I think certainly Will Levis would have had a better season going from year one to year two in the same scheme, being able to build on that. But if the offensive line was bad and he was going to get hit so much and be injured, that was still going to be an issue. Uh, now with him back, they did a bunch of work in the portal on the line. You hope some of their young guys have progressed. They brought in Devin Leary from NC State to, to replace Levis at quarterback. I think there's a real argument that Leary is a, certainly a better college quarterback than Will Levis already. He's not anywhere close to the pro, same pro prospect that Levis is, mm-hmm. but his production at the college level has been better. Whether that translates from the ACC to the SEC, we'll find out. And he's had plenty of his own injury issues that's going to be a question until we see him stay healthy for a full season. But with the young receivers getting a year older, um, the work they did in the portal, I think there's plenty of reason to be confident that they're at least going to be better than last year, whether they're as good as they were in 21. I think the jury's still out. Then on the other side of the ball, I, I don't think people realize how good this Kentucky team was defensively a season ago. They were the number two total defense in, in the conference, number three in scoring defense. They were able to bring pressure. That they, they were just good. I mean, and you know, with Stoops as the head coach, you kind of expect that, but what about this season? Can they equal that kind of production? Can they be a top two, three defense in the conference this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think with Kentucky's defense, it's a lot. I mean, we hear about system offenses all the time. I think that they have a system defense. I mean, they just are what they are. They can kind of plug and play at this point. They don't get overly aggressive, but they play a style, especially with the complementary offense with, you know, controlling the clock and some of those things that helps them be really, you know, really productive overall, but certainly statistically, I will say that even though they lost, you know, a fair amount of starter level players from last year, the general vibe from the staff is the younger guys who are filling those holes are probably more talented players than the guys that replace. I mean, in the middle of the defense, you lose DeAndre Square and Jacquez Jones, your two, you know, super senior inside linebackers. Well, they were injured for half of last season anyway, and the two guys who are replacing them, Trevin Wallace and Derek Jackson, were much high, more highly touted recruits, uh, have plenty of college experience at this point. They're really excited about that position group in particular. So there's, I'm sure there will be some, you know, maybe some early bumps as some of these young guys get, you know, hoisted into bigger roles. Uh, but they are who they are on defense now, um, and I, I think that that's ju- it's just a it's just a top twenty, top twenty five, top thirty caliber defense every year. 
when we get to this game in, in early November, you might have the two best all-purpose players in the league on the field. Barry and Brown for Kentucky, Tulu Griffin for Mississippi State. One of the big storylines down here in Starkville has been new offense. How much more can they involve Tulu Griffin in the passing game, in the running game, uh, and all over the field because they feel like he's their best playmaker. What about Brown and Liam Cohen's offense? Can can they find more ways to get the ball into his hand? I think that's a very interesting storyline to watch because it felt like the second half of last season in particular with all of the offensive struggles, no one around the program could say anything negative about Barry and Brown. And even you want to throw Dane Key into that, who's also a sophomore receiver who's you know had a really good freshman season. Because of at a program like Kentucky with the transfer portal, you're always worried about traditional powers coming in and poaching your players. They just everything in the second half of the season was about getting Barry on the Brown the ball more, finding the NIL deals for him, setting himself up so where they could keep him around. And once they got that accomplished. This spring, there was almost kind of a reset with Liam going here talking about, well, he's still got a lot of work to do as a player. He's got to get better at running routes and doing all the little things that really good high-level wide receivers do. So that part of it, I think, is still a challenge for Barry on, and they're going to push him to do all of that this summer. If he does it, he can certainly take another step. But they have other good receivers on the team with key, as I mentioned. Tavion Robinson, who was a, a transfer from Virginia Tech a year ago, they thought was going to have – a Wandell Robinson type season and he has been pretty upfront since the end of the year that he basically kind of pouted and went in a hole when the ball wasn't coming his way so maybe he bounces back they got a bunch of tight ends that they want to get involved so it's not going to be all on Barry on Brown to to carry the load there in a way that you know Wandell Robinson did two years ago but they certainly will try and find some ways to get him the ball in space and I think Liam Cohen is is obviously a good enough coordinator to do that and he will be a huge part of the return game uh, as long as teams kick it to him. When you look at last year for Kentucky, I mean, you have definitely have to say they, they underachieved a bit, especially if you looked at my predictions. I had them second in the East. I thought they might win nine or ten games uh, a season ago. This season, if, if I had to settle it between bounce back, a step back, or status quo, how does this season play out for, in your mind for Kentucky? Yeah, I think it's a bounce back in the term of they will be better than they were a year ago. Um, I'm not ready to say they're going to win 10 games like they did in 2021 by any means, but it it just feels like there has been this reset. I mean, in the post-game press conference after the Music City Bowl when they got shut out by Iowa, Will Levis, Chris Rodriguez didn't play in that game. Uh, Mark Stoops, like basically the first thing he said when he came out was there was just something that felt off all season that just wasn't right, and we've got to get back to who we were. He, Obviously made the coordinator switch, firing Rich Gangarello and bringing back Liam Cohen. That's step one. But he talked a lot in the spring about resetting some of his own offseason priorities, changing the way they did workouts and stuff to reestablish that identity. Uh, there was one spring practice where he was not happy at all with their performance and came out and called called them entitled to use that word. So I think they did not handle success well last year. I mean, you can go to SEC media days every summer for Kentucky and seemingly write the same story about nobody gives us any respect. The world uh, isn't giving us enough credit. That wasn't the case last year because people like you and me were picking them second in the East and telling them how good they were and ranking them in the top 25 preseason. And they frankly didn't handle all that very well. Well, it's going to be back this summer to people counting them out because you had your chance to prove it and you failed. You know, people are going to say, oh, this is this is same old Kentucky again. So I think that chip on their shoulder will help them. I think the work they did in the portal with Leary and, you know, the offensive linemen and some other key positions, positions, you know, puts them in a pretty good spot 
roster wise going into this year, the schedule this last year of the current format, um, you know, has, uh, you know, there's plenty of difficult games. The second half is harder than the first half, but if Leary stays healthy, this can definitely be an eight or nine win regular season team. If he doesn't, this could be a team that struggles to make bowl eligibility. So it basically comes down to that for me. It really is. It's sort of the end of an era when Mississippi State and Kentucky. This will be the final meeting for who knows how long when they meet uh, early November uh, here in Starville. John Hale, Lexington Herald leader. Man, always appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks to uh, John. Appreciate his time. Always great to talk to him, uh, as we do every year when we talk about Kentucky. We always say this is a swing game for Mississippi State. It's it's later in the season this year, the first week of November. So it's one of their last four games of the year. By this point in the season, State should have a pretty good handle of what they are, right? They will have already traveled to Auburn and Arkansas. They'll have played Alabama and LSU and South Carolina. They've traveled there at this point. I mean, when you're, when you're eight games in, it, it's difficult to say that this would be a swing game, but that doesn't mean it's an unimportant game for Mississippi State. It always seems to be a big game for state. I mean, this is a this has kind of become an underrated rivalry between these two teams yeah. because they're they're both teams that you know they're blue collar. They usually perform as good or better than where they're projected. Um, they're they're comparable in a lot of ways. They've become comparable in a lot of ways since uh, Stoops has arrived. And since Dan Mullen came to Mississippi State as well. So, it, you know, it's become a really, really a back and forth ball game. State dominated that series, first part of Dan Mullen's tenure. And since uh, <clears throat> uh, 2016, maybe, mm-hmm. it's been back and forth. Yeah. And now, I mean, you, you hit this game middle to late part of the schedule just about every year, right around uh, Halloween. It's become a really fun, competitive ball game. So uh, for Mississippi State, you, you look at that schedule, and with the, there's two parts of that schedule that are really important for the Bulldogs, and that's the first part of the SEC schedule, mm-hmm. which is LSU, South Carolina, Alabama, back-to-back-to-back. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then this part of the schedule, which is, you know, the Arkansas game is a big game too, but the Auburn-Kentucky A&M. That three-game stretch right there. You have the three-game stretch early with LSU, South Carolina, and Alabama, and then Auburn, Kentucky, A&M before you get ready for the two in-state games. And this game sandwiched between Auburn on the road, well, Arkansas and Auburn both on the road, and then you get this home game and then you go back on the road. This is a tough stretch here. Yeah. State has to win this game. I yeah. mean, it's a, it is a must-win for them. And they, and they need to take two of those road games, I think. Yes, if, if state is three and three in the in in this the what the six games you just discussed, uh, Auburn, Kentucky A and M, LSU, South Carolina, and Alabama, we'll, we'll we'll leave Arkansas out for that. If state's three and three in that, they're fine. They're probably nine and three. They might be eight and four, but they're they're probably nine and three, and that would be a fantastic first year for Zach Barnett to go back to what we talked about in the in the first half of the season. I want to say this though. Last year, you and I took a lot of heat because we talked about how dangerous Kentucky was, how State plays poorly up there, and nobody wanted to hear it from us. And what happened? And so, we switched. We switched our opinion the day, the week of the game. We, we should have never we done foolishly, that. Foolishly, foolishly, 
But we were on we were on that train from the very beginning, so and then everybody was mad. Right now, yeah, I think State's going to win this game. I think State will beat Kentucky when 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 they when they hook up. I think being at home is a huge advantage, and I just feel like State is is a better team than Kentucky. They're more talented. But it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a tough game. It always is. So just you know, y'all, we, we got to give Kentucky a little more respect than we're giving them right now. All right, that's a team that, that, that has handled Mississippi State a couple times in the last few years. Obviously, in Lexington, we'll see what happens in Starkville. But this is a, uh, like I said, not a swing game. But you're you're right. This is a this is as as close to a must win game for Mississippi State. Maybe outside of the Egg Bowl that that they have, they they need to, to be able to beat Kentucky. To, because, I mean, if you win that game and you win the Egg Bowl and you win your four non-conference, now you're at six. You just got to find two more. Two more to have a great season. Three more to have an, an outstanding, you know, high-end season. So beating Kentucky is is paramount. The fact that State won nine games last season without beating Kentucky is incredible, by the way. I mean, they yeah. would have been a nine-and-three team and probably would have gone to the Citrus Bowl or something like that had they just beaten Kentucky. And, then, and people will say... You know, you know, give Kentucky credit, blah, blah, blah. That's a bad Kentucky team. State had no business losing to them. State yeah. played as poorly as they possibly could, and Kentucky didn't play great, but played good enough to win. But that's how they played at Kentucky. Yeah. If yeah. They, they they could have won 10 games last year. If they, they had the game against LSU and blew it. I mean, let's be I know they ended up losing that game by two touchdowns. But they they were in control of that ball game. LSU had no life until that right. fumbled punt. If you win those games against LSU and Kentucky, you're a ten win team in the regular season. Yeah, they were close. They were close. and then and then you go back to true from the year before, 2020. You could have won nine, ten games. 2021. 2021. Yeah. Yeah. That means Arkansas no. beat. Yep. They had. Um, I wouldn't say Ole Miss for sure, and obviously not mm-hmm. Alabama. I'm trying to think of, of the game. Memphis. They should have won that game. I mean, State's LSU. LSU was getting control, but they were starting to get some momentum. I don't. There's no telling what could happen in that game if Rodney Gross didn't have that penalty on the punt. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, that's the year but, where State can 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 finally, you know, turn those yeah. those should have ones into they did win because if they well, do, they're going to be nine ten wins. Well, it's what I was talking about the other day. I think we. I think it was the rumblings. I can't remember, but when we were talking about you know State. Finishing, you know, could they finish in the top fifteen recruiting or something like that? They've been on the cusp of that with one or two more guys. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing with with the results on the field. You do some, you do, you know, two or three plays correctly, and you win, you know, two more games. That's how close state has been from, you know, kind of the average team in the SEC to taking that next step. That's going to be the difference for Mississippi State moving forward in this new era. Can they get those two or three extra players in a signing class? Can you execute two or three more plays in a ball game that allows you to win a game that's kind of a turning point in your season? That's kind of the key for Mississippi State moving forward, executing in the recruiting class, executing on the field. You hit a couple of plays here and there that that totally changes the trajectory of this program. So that's – that's the next step for Mississippi State. They're not that far away. This isn't this isn't a, a team that should be spat on by the rest of the SEC. This is a team that could be looked at a totally different way by everyone else if they executed a little better. And yeah. that's that's kind of the key for them. Yeah. 
All right. So next up, as Robbie said, Auburn. We'll be talking about the Auburn Tigers next week on the uh, on the podcast. Looking forward to that. All right. Tomorrow on uh, Thunder and Lightning, it will, will be, or I guess you know, today is today as you're listening. Tomorrow, as we're recording, we will be at Lake Tiakata over there in Louisville, Mississippi, for another stop on the Thunder and Lightning Summer Catfish Tour, brought to you by Superior Catfish. Uh, we're going to talk to some locals, and we're going to talk to one of the best locals around. Bart Gregory will join us. We'll talk some football, some baseball with him. Plus, yeah, he might do a little politics. Look, you know, he's mass communicating. Is what he ain't trying to one at a time, and he's mass communicating here with us on Thunder and Lightning. So looking forward to talking to Bart. That'll be a lot of fun. And of course, we're going to get get some great catfish. I'm looking forward to for this 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 special dish. What we need to do here with these guys, by the way, Robbie, is we need to pump up the special dish so that we put we pit them against the next restaurants we go to. So they're like, oh, I'm they gave them this. I'm fine gotta, with we, that. We got we got to do that. What I told them the other day. I'm good with fried catfish. I can eat that three or four times a week. Yeah. But if you're going to offer me something else. I'll eat it. Another catfish dish, I will absolutely eat that catfish dish. I mean, that's what we had. You think about when we were at uh, at, uh, Little Dewey's. They had that catfish Reuben that they got. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And that's what I've I've said about Lake Tecata, too, is that this is not your typical catfish house. This is a nice restaurant. So to get a little different take on Superior Catfish, I think this is the way to go. So we're going to be eating the Catfish Orleans. It is a blackened catfish topped with crawfish sauce. I believe uh, some cheesy grits, which you enjoy. You're going to you're going to really do. I'm excited. I'm excited. Also, I don't know if you if you're aware of this, but uh, you know we've got this stop, and then we we have one more stop that we we have. I think it's like 90% locked in there. But that may not be the end. We may have a couple okay. more stops. I'm okay with this continuing. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. So we'll see. We will see. All right. Guys, have a great uh, Thursday. Robbie and I back with you on Friday. Please stop by Lake Tiakata if you are in the Louisville area tomorrow. We'll be happy to see you. Uh, until then, for Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.